It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. What's up, lacrosse fans? We are back for another week. Never a doubt, because we're coming back every week here with another Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Jake Elliott and Jamie Dowick back with you for episode Lax Class 148. Coming up on 150. I can't believe it. Uh, Jamie, let's get you in off the top here, man. Uh, happy Labor Day. Uh, what are you doing? Now uh, you got some yard work going on, a little trip to Home Depot. What, what are you doing on your Labor Day? How's it going? Well, I'm good. Thanks, buddy. I'm good. I, you know what? Pretty uneventful weekend for me. Uh, basically, the days consisted of playing golf in the morning and then watching golf in the afternoon. Uh, mixed in with multiple fan- fantasy football oh, drafts. So you're one of those guys, huh? Uh, well, I, I'm in. I'm in three three leagues. I actually have my last draft tonight. Is um, the the lead, the Toronto Rock League that we have okay. uh, ten of ten of us are in. So uh, as soon as we're done this call, or maybe even before this call. Uh, <laughs> And Stay I, focused I have here. A fantasy draft. I, I'm focused. I'm, okay, I'm okay. Big focus here. Yeah, big know? focus. Like, big focus. Uh, uh, I love it. I love it. Um, so well, I'm, I'm ready fantasy. to go, man. I can't. I've never like I, I've like dipped my toe in the fantasy thing, and then I get like four weeks in, and then I like miss a week because I, you know, I just don't think about, it. and then, then I get caught behind the, and then I don't know, man. Like I, I feel like it's like it just like almost takes over. Like your mind, like you go, oh yeah, fantasy. I gotta get to fantasy. Never mind one. You're in nah, three. Man. Like, I've gone through those stages in my life. Like I'm, I listen. I've been in my one league, my big league. I've been in for twenty five years. Okay, what are we talking big league here? Like, what's the buy in well, for the like, big league? Okay, so not big. Like, it's three hundred thirty bucks a guy. Um, prize pool's three grand. First prize is twenty five hundred. Second, uh, the loser, 500. But big league in, in the sense that, you know, 25 years, pretty well the same guys for t- 25 years. One or two have passed away, unfortunately, along the way. Um, you know, so that that's, you know, to me, it's, you know, and yes, when I was 25, was uh, did I spend all day, every day looking at fantasy football stuff and this and that? Yes. <laughs> At 45, do I do that? No. Like, you know, it's pretty easy to manage a a fantasy football team. You can do it all Um, on the phone now, right? It's a lot of – to me, it's more about the the fun and the winning and the camaraderie more than, like, the cash. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, like, our Rock League's pretty fun. Maddie's won – you know, shoot one the first year, I think, but then we had to kick him out. He left the seals, so he couldn't be in the Toronto Rock. Yeah, beat it. Yeah, 
and then uh, I think Maddie's won the following three years oh, since. Oh, Maddie, So okay, uh, okay. You know, I've uh, my GM abilities in that league haven't been up to standard. Yeah. So uh, it's just a lot of fun, and and obviously this is you get like the, the chat groups and the shit talk and everything going on as well. Well, so we have a good we have a, for the rock one since there's ten of us in it. Um, we have a great group chat. Um, that's just the fantasy group, and uh, it's a lot of fun. All right, I'll take your word for it. Maybe I'll I'll sneak into a late one, and nobody will know. I'll just slide in there, and uh, yeah, I think the fun of it is being in one with people you know yeah, more than just yeah. jumping in a random. Like if you're not into it, jumping into a random one online is is whatever. I mean, listen. I like doing daily, the pickums and playing the spread the daily, and stuff. Dude, try the daily fantasy sports like draft, you know, and I, hey, listen, they're not paying me anything, but <laughs> draft DraftKings, okay. you know, I think for 3 bucks, you can they have like a million and now you're in it with tons of people and the chance, you know, the chances of of winning anything significant are low, but you know, you could play daily fantasy football, so you're not committed. You know, if you don't do it one right, week right. or you forget, you know, so that'd be something to look at because it's fun. It makes watching the games fun. Like I said, if you're going to get in a league, you what want to be in cool a league. What about Coolback? Coolback got a, a fantasy league. I well, there you go. You're <laughs> dropping that name again. Eh? Like, uh, I heard a little birdie might have told me something, Jamie. Um, yeah, I might have said a little something too a little while ago. Listen, uh, you know that I think those laws and legislations and everything is kind of changing. Uh-huh. Um, you know, to me, when I say DraftKings, I'm talking daily fantasy okay. sports. I know I know you see a lot of stuff about that you can gamble on DraftKings and this and that. You can't currently in Canada. I mean, it's coming very soon, I believe. But yeah. Um, I'm, when I say DraftKings, I'm talking daily fantasy okay. sports because that's what I mean by that. All right, I'll uh, I'll potentially check that out. Well, listen, man, it is a gorgeous day here in British Columbia. I just finished up uh, a little disc golf. I only got about like eight more days before I'm going to be on the shelf here for four months. So I'm I'm hoping we can like squeeze it. Like next week, we'll we'll have to get one more podcast in, and then I'm hoping like a week from then I'll be good to to do another one as I'm getting a. Getting a new hip next Tuesday, man. So I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be like, I gotta get it in while I can right now. And today was a perfect day to go and do it. Are you doing this for an NLL comeback next year in Vegas? Or? <laughs> well, hey, if we keep expanding, man, yeah, you know, park me, park me down on the the low block bring there. Fighting, bring the fighting, a little yeah. more fighting in the league. Yeah, and, just you know, extra hey. roster spot, and uh, you Number know, bring... two Toronto Rock. <laughs> That'd be something. Just one game. Just give me one game in the National Cross League. I'll leave my mark. I can guarantee you that. Uh, Dude, I almost almost gave my my one of my kids' buddies a game in major series this summer. He's never played lacrosse in his life. An English kid, <laughs> yeah. and we were he was begging me to play just so he could and drop him. No, no, oh. he wouldn't have done that at all. He just wanted to play. Oh. We were we were down numbers like to the point where we didn't have enough runners. But I and I wanted, I so wanted to let him play, but I just couldn't do it. No, like I, I'm thinking, if he, if he went out there and got hurt or something, I, <laughs> yeah. I couldn't live with myself. That's throwing like, raw meat to a pack of wolves, man. Like, but uh, yeah, he wanted to, so I give the kid credit. Yeah, 
Yeah, well, I don't know if he really did want to, if he knew what <laughs> yeah, yeah. he was getting into. Yeah. Hey, we got a, another monster lined up here for you, and, and we, we talked about it a little bit. You you were actually pretty busy. You were kind of MIA this week, i got to admit. Like, you were you were, you were were hard to, to kind of run down. But we were, we were talking a little bit and deciding what we were going to do, and I think we're going back across the nation here for the next uh, few weeks anyways. I, I think we got to put Oakville – on the list, so you can think like if I was thinking Oakville, who am I going to talk to from Oakville and for Lacrosse Nation? It would probably be you, but we can't do that. So you got to think who would be the next best person to talk Oakville Lacrosse next week. We'll put it right in your wheelhouse. How about that? I got it. I, I got it. someone just popped in my mind real quick. That's it. That's so. how it works, man. That's so your first name that pops into your head when you think Adnac Lacrosse or Bellies Lacrosse. That's the guy that you go with. So I'm glad you got a name in your head this week, however, Jamie. Coming up here in quarter number two, we're going all the way back to Cornwall Island here in the Aguasasne Reservation to talk to a guy that that I met a couple of weeks ago back there doing the Survivor's Cup uh, with with Teddy Jenner and Josh Sanderson was was the one responsible for getting us back there in Galiwade Mitchell, um, who was really responsible for a lot of different things back there and man like I, I sat down one night with him at his place on the res and just had a fabulous conversation with him about all sorts of history and and lacrosse and just philosophies and all the rest of it and i thought this guy's gonna be a perfect guy to talk to from the mohawk nation um i don't know if i told you this jamie i'm, I'm got a new tattoo in the works here that, that i'm gonna plant on my arm galiwade actually gave me so as people know, Jumbo is, is my handle in English. So I asked him, I said, "What's how do you say Jumbo in Mohawk? So he told me it's pronounced Lagawano. And it's spelt completely different from that. Is that taped? <laughs> Hold on a second. Was that taped? or Not bad. Like, right? say, say it again. Lagawano. Okay, you say it in a different voice. It's like you've mastered how to say well, it. Well, it, it helps it me to use the 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 in the dialect, if you will, to to help pronounce the word properly. So, okay. it's actually spelled. Check this out, just to give you. So, Galiwade's name is spelled K A R I W A T E, but it's, it's pronounced really Galiwade. So you okay. can get an idea what what I'm getting into here. Lagawano is pronounced or is spelt R A K O W A N O N. So I'm gonna get that slapped on my on my arm along with this kind of cool logo. Jordan Thompson, who is an artist back there, has agreed to to draw me up uh, a nice picture and and with the wording and all the rest of it. So I'm really fired up about this and this trip really. Kind this of trip had a big one. It, it did. Made impact it, on you. It did, hey, man. I, it, it really did because you know, honestly, Jamie, if I can get heavy here for a second, is that you know when my dad passed, and I, you know, it's a tough, it's a tough thing for for a guy to go through, obviously. And yeah. going back there, it was almost like it was the perfect spot for me to be at the perfect time for me to be there doing the thing that I love the most. And it there just like it just put me at peace and I just got so connected and really you know people talk about the medicine game and all the rest of it that like I felt it right into my my soul man so um I'm gonna my, my dad's initials my initials are going on this thing and, and it's gonna it's gonna be, mean something to me so that's you know a 
when you get a tattoo, I think they really have to have some meaning behind it, and and obviously this one's gonna so. Looking forward to, to that, and, and obviously I'll, I'll get the picks and stuff up there when when that comes around. Um, quarter two, so Galiwa Day Mitchell coming up in quarter two, lacrosse the nation, Akwesasne. We've got quick sticks in quarter three. My selection for the Stampede Stallion this week, and I haven't told you who it is yet, Jamie. I'm not going to tell the people who it is quite yet, but he didn't quite meet the, the criteria as far as games played goes, but when you hear the rest of the resume of this guy – He's a stout. So we'll talk about that in quarter number four. And here in quarter number one, we got the big focus coming up. But before we get to the big focus, Jamie, as per usual, I got a, a few topics I'd like to discuss with. Um, what do you think? <laughs> I'll just dive headfirst in here, man. So forgive me. But what do you think about the relationship between the National Lacrosse League and the Premier Lacrosse League? <laughs> uh, well, it's 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 definitely interesting. It seems to be one way street. More, it seems to be a lot more one way uh, relationship to me, and I think to a lot of people from the outside looking in. And you know, I, I you know, yeah, definitely. I Why think, do you yeah. think that is? Like, it seems like to me, and. This is looking through my eyeballs here that the NLL, like we just saw Devin Caney working the sidelines for a PLL playoff game just last weekend. Great job to, to DK and, and her work. But it almost seems to me, Jamie, that the NLL has extended this olive branch to the PLL and are more than willing and happy to work with this league, promote that league. Uh, you know, and, and so many of our players playing in that league, it makes sense to me. But then on the other side, it just looks like that group doesn't even want to acknowledge that we exist. And I, like, I no, don't understand. I, listen, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I'm told that there's communications between the two leagues and they have a good relationship and this and that. But, you know, it's like, and they we have an owner refuse to use the uh, NLL name when they talk about our league and talk about, you know, they refer to it as, you know, the indoor league or, or this and that. So it, I don't know. It's, it's bizarre. I, I ask myself the same things and I know a lot of people, a lot of other people do as well and, and wonder why it is that way, but it is that way. And I don't really get it because I think we can accomplish a lot more things if we do work together, um, you know, I don't really feel like we are competing with each other. Not anymore, right? And Seasons are no, different like, times. And, like, yeah, yeah. Like, there's so much cross-pollination between the two leagues. I just, like, you're right. Like, I, I think there could be. And we do have an owner in, in Joe Sai who owns the San Diego oh, Seals and is a big-time fin yeah, financial backer. To, yeah. Too. So there, there's, there's multiple guys, which makes it even – kind of more bizarre to be honest with you um but i don't know i haven't figured that one out and you know i i you know we it, it clearly we seem to continue to want to promote everything that they're doing not just at a league level but a lot of teams and you know we don't have a lot of guys that play in that league we have two currently and they both played on the same team and tommy and, and latrell for the archers but yeah. you know i mean you know, we promote it because they're our guy. We promote what 
British guys are doing a little bit, but that's about that. That's about it. I get some of the American teams have a lot more guys playing, but you know, it sure would be nice to be working together. Um, you know, for for the, the game in general as opposed to individually, but. That's the way it is right now. Yeah. Well, hopefully that changes, man. Uh, hopefully something else that, that may change that I would like to see change is the reincarnation of the NLL All-Star game. I, I want to talk about this a little bit later in Quickstix because it's the NLL 35 moments. But, like, I was just watching this, and I'm like, what happened to the All-Star game? Why does the All-Star game not happen anymore? And... Say what you want about All-Star Game. This is my opinion, again, right? Say what you want about All-Star Games being patty cake and not meaning anything and having the risk of, of being injured in a, in a game that does not mean anything in the standings or for a championship or whatever. But I honestly think the amount of good that comes out of it with potential new corporate sponsorship and fan engagement and displaying the best that our game has to offer to new eyeballs far outweighs the rest of it. I know there's a cost involved for this as well, but every other pro league is doing it, Jamie. We are not. Where do you come out on the all-star game? I'm kind of mixed on it. Since I've been in the league, we've only actually – had one all-star game. It was at Turning Stone Casino. Uh, right. I you know, the, yeah. You know, and, and it was fun because of the way we did it and all this. But here, here's the problem with it. Number one, there is a lot of cost. Number two, you know, it, it, it is tough in a lot of these our locations to sell that game. So, you know, are you going to have that game on a separate weekend? Are you going to have that game? You know, in the past, guys have played, you know, on a Saturday night and tried to fly in somewhere and play Sunday afternoon. So there's that whole component of it, which makes it challenging. And then, you know, the the problem with our game is when it's played at its, at its best, you know, a huge part of our game is the physicalness of it. And, you know, to me, and, and that's a big thing about lacrosse, and I think in, in that format, it kind of does make it a little different. Guys aren't kind of going like that and takes away from it. But, you know, if it worked economically and this and that and and, and logistically, you know, I'm all for it. It's just there are a lot of challenges. And, and then selling a game like, well, listen, you know, Jamie, it's not I... the easiest, it's, you know, it sounds great and all that. But, you know, a lot of people – don't care as much about an all-star game. They'd rather watch their team play. So, How about you know, this? I, I know some markets would probably do well with it, but there's a lot of markets that would really struggle to, Well, you and, know, and they pick and choose enough. where you play the all-star game. There's no set destination when it comes to that. Our buddy uh, Jim Else uh, of Something Else fame, uh, formerly here on the podcast, suggested Vegas, Jamie. New franchise coming in. Who doesn't yeah, want to play no, an all-star I, game in Vegas? I saw that, and I think that is a, a pretty good idea myself. Um, you know, I, I'd like to see that. But once again, there, there's a lot to it. You know, um, you don't know. Then then you don't know how what kind of reaction you're going to get from the fan base there and stuff. I, it, it's a tough one. You know, like you think of SAS, which is a great market, but, you know, it's probably the – 
toughest place in our league to get to. Yeah. Um, so, you know, doing it on a weekend where we play is probably almost impossible. Um, you know, Buffalo be another really strong market, probably a little, you know, you can get more Ontario support from there from a fan base perspective. But, you know, I don't know if it makes sense for even a team like Buffalo to do something like that. So, you know, Colorado obviously would probably be another good place. Calgary. Um, Calgary too. And listen, teams have looked into it, but I, I, you know, the economics of it, you know, it's doesn't really work. And and then it's tough to do because we're trying, you know, we're not a full-time league. And so we don't have these guys, you know, we got to fit in our games and we don't have all these. I just want to see Dan Dawson jump into a hot tub again, essentially is, is the only reason. Yeah. That was great. Where was that? In the Pepsi center? That was in the Pepsi center. I love Bring back the hot tub as well while I'm at it. I mean, I, I, you know what? I, I used to, I love the hot tub. We don't have to. I remember, <laughs> we don't have to go back to, to the Boston the uh, Blazers. Thing, I, I used to love it. I thought that was a great thing. Yeah. Great promo for a hot tub company, and you know, different in our league. So I enjoyed that. Uh, well, uh, yeah. I was just about to say we don't have to go as far as uh, the Boston Blazers took it. Took it one. <laughs> no. Yeah. But, we got a little, little carried away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Still talking about that. it. Still talking about it. Yeah, I know where you're going. Yeah. Uh, let's get to the big focus. Big focus. Big focus. Focus. Another than a big focus. Focus. Big focus. The big focus. 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 Big focus. Um, big focus this week, Jamie. I don't even know. Like, I, I kind of struggled for a big focus this week, to be honest with you. There wasn't really, like, a big headline in the news where I was like, oh, yeah, we got to talk about that. But then I kind of felt like, well, this is something we need to talk about because I, there was, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players deemed. I know where you're going with this. Ineligible picks in last Saturday's, NA, Saturday before last and in an NLL entry draft, eight players that spanned through pick 45 to pick 78, all deemed ineligible for different NC2AA regulations or infractions, which I guess, like, I'm not, like, I'm okay with. If that's the rule, that's the rule. But I almost, like, one pick is one thing, even two, like, okay. But when you're talking eight guys... Like, obviously not everybody knew everything that they need to know about all the players that were eligible or ineligible for the upcoming draft. And I, like, you, might giving, you might be giving people too much credit there. It's like you know you ask me the controversial questions where I, how I feel on certain issues. Because this is a great topic for me. Because funny enough, I am the one guy going back to when we voted to pass this for the Jeff T draft, I've maintained from day one that we should have never changed the rule on the draft with the eligibility and a kid. To me, it was, you know, COVID, COVID sucked, sucked for everyone. You know, like I think changing the way we have draft rules and stuff like that doesn't make sense to me. So, you know, of course, 
we did it and we did it for one year and you know i go along with it everything happens in this and that um you know then it comes up again this year and everyone wants to extend that for three four more years and one of my points was I can remember this clear as day i said oh there's going to be all this people you know don't do their homework and drafting ineligible players and you know now it really makes it a lot more complicated because you got to know there's a few things you, you know it's just more work now i remember everyone saying oh no we'll all do our homework you know it's up to us as gms and whatever and then here you go eight players for various different reasons were ineligible for the draft and um you know those selections all got vetoed so it was interesting. I'm not surprised to see it. Was I surprised it was eight? I guess originally my initial reaction would be, yeah, I guess I was. But then again, when I think about it, no, I'm not really because it's two years in. It's a little more complicated. More guys coming to play. You know, you got a lot of homework to do. And to me, you know, and it's easy for me to say this year because I didn't draft till, you know, the fourth round. But, you know, you should. You got to know what you're doing. Well, those are those and, are when and, those and picks are coming in. A guy, if I'm drafting a guy, I'm gonna make. I'm gonna do everything I can to make sure that that guy's eligible. And you know, if I'm wrong for some reason, well, I, sh- I shouldn't be wrong. But that happens. Um, eight people suggest that it's a little more complicated than everyone thought it was gonna be, and and this is what we decided to do. So, you know. Make sure you're, you know, as an owner or whatever, you know, you need to make sure your GM knows what he's doing and not wasting your draft picks. Yeah. So getting caught up in this, New York, Buffalo, San Diego, actually twice, Halifax, PCLC. uh, There's a couple that don't have teams beside their names. But these others, like there's, you know, different – but I guess where where I need to go is, like, how can we streamline the process a bit where, like, the renunciation list and the timeline no, on can't. that it seems to you be... You can't, a- dude. This is the problem, and this is why I said, like, listen, we don't have, like, by doing it, the, the changing the things we change, it's very complicated now, and, and you know, there's just no way to... to now it's even more work and even tougher. It was it was easy before to say, okay, it, it was one year. In Canada, that's twenty one, and basically NCAA, you had to use your four years of eligibility or declare early, and or and then just outside of that, declare early. So it was really easy to follow along, and we couldn't get a list out back then. Now, you know, it's like, are you going back to you know? You're going back to school. How many how many years of eligibility and do you have? Back like they redshirt that... guys too, right? Like yeah. use my son for example. Okay, just you know, because this is an... so Josh goes to Denver. He doesn't play, so he's in his fourth year of school this year. So he'll be eligible for next year's NLL draft, but. He didn't play the first year, even though he, you know, was part of the team and dressed and stuff, but he didn't play. So I believe they redshirted him. Um, then he goes back. And for people that don't know, a redshirt is just to get you another year of eligibility. Right. So I think if a guy doesn't touch the field, 
that they can just redshirt him. So whether or not he's planning on going back for more than four years, they just do it for their own purpose. And it, it doesn't really make a difference, right? In school, he's still, you know, soft, freshman, sophomore, whatever. So they redshirt him. Then year two is COVID year. So he gets another year of eligibility. Then they go back and play last year, which is a weird year. Um, but that's year his third year of school. But I think technically so he can play two year, more years. So you're right. This is his fourth year of school. But I, I think and draft eligible. But I think he's technically got two more years of draft eligibility, like playing eligibility, if right. he chose to go that route. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is now that they've done this, they've backdated. So now you're looking into the future three, four years of how many years of eligibility guys have because they're allowing them well, the four full year cycle of, here, of this Here's COVID. your point. Here's your point. No one would know that. It would be really, really tough for anyone to figure that out that doesn't isn't Josh's father, you know, or connected, whatever. It would be it would be really tough. And to now figure you're talking about a hundred. Whereas if, if he went if it didn't change, you know that he's draft eligible next year, and that's the end of the story, and, and it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, so it, it's complicated it to so much, and, and back to the thing of, am I surprised by the picks? Not really. I mean, maybe it wasn't fair to say guys didn't do their homework. It's, it's a tough homework assignment to know that. Trying to get people to – like, it's about – for me, it's about people knowing – not only GMs and coaches and owners, but the fans like have no clue yeah. on who is draft yeah, eligible I mean, from listen, year to year. But these, in fairness, and you're right, we're talking about later picks. Like I don't think any of these picks, like to me, there's no excuse for this to happen. You know, with any picks in the first couple of rounds, anyways, because yeah. you should have done your homework on that. I mean, the, the, these are happening in in rounds four, five, six. I know. You know where where you're throwing darts, and you know at the end of the day, you know if they get one of these picks wrong and lose a guy, I mean the reality is the guy they would have taken there probably wouldn't have made their team anyways. So, yeah. um, you know, it, it just it's a bad look. That eight, it, it's more than anything to me. It was a bad look that you know, eight picks were voided and I was quick to look and make hope that, you know, none of mine were wrong because, you know, I didn't, I went, I didn't know this was even going down. So, yeah. um, it is what it is. It is what it is indeed. I, I just wish there was a way to improve it. That's all just, I mean, not only that, it's just for the fans to know, like, it'd be nice to see a list. Jumbo, I hear you. You say for the fans, I mean, for, like I said, for the, coaches and like we don't have that we've got to what about like together. a central that's, that's the central that's scouting the central scouting like hockey does can we get that in place for lacrosse somehow sure do you want me to get them to send you your resume their resumes and you got the job descriptions and the build a pay central scouting department <laughs> I mean, listen, you're right, dude. Listen, I'm with you. I don't, I, I'm not Debbie Downer here. Like, I, yes, these, these are all things that, you know, one day would be great to have. Um, you know, we're just not there yet. Okay. So we just got to keep going down the path. We're going. I will. You will. We will. And uh, we're going. 
we're going to break, Jake, because we're, we're going down a path to Aguastasny. We're going across the nation next. Quarter two, Galiwade Mitchell of the Mohawk Nation is coming up here on episode 148 of Lax Class. Hey, this is NLL Hall of Famer Sean Williams. You're listening to Lax Class, your go-to source for all things NLL and boxing cross. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified as we move into quarter number two. Uh, Lacrosse the Nation coming right up here. But before we get to that, i got to get to this. Jamie, I told you a few weeks ago a new partnership was about to blossom. The National Lacrosse League has hopped on board Lax Class here for the next couple of months anyways. And i got some things to tell you about, about shopping at NLL Shop. Get your favorite NLL gear, including jerseys, hats. I know you know all this, Jamie, but the fans might not know this. Jerseys, hats, T-shirts, and more. New items are being added daily. And on September the 7th and 8th, I think that might actually be today, September the 7th. Uh, But you got this tomorrow. Get 15% off your order of $75 or more. Gear up in your favorite team swag at NLLshop.com prior to the start of the 21-22 season. That gets going on December the 3rd and, Jamie, where we live. For our friends in Canada, stay tuned for an announcement coming on September the 8th. So this will be tomorrow. That When you're hearing this podcast, that will enhance your online shopping experience. I don't know, I don't know how you enhance an online shopping experience, but the NLL is going to do that today. Jamie, it's time to go lacrosse the nation. Lacrosse. Lacrosse. It's been a while since I heard that little sound bite. Uh, I don't know if you've you've ever heard that one, Jamie. It's it's pretty good. Check it out. <laughs> um, Lacrosse the nation. And we're going way back east here, close to the border of Ontario and Quebec, uh, close to the border of New York as well, to the Aguasasne Reservation to talk to my good friend, Galiwade Mitchell, who I just spent uh, the better part of a week with announcing the Survivor's Cup, and this man, uh, a big part of that tournament going off the way it did, which was fabulous. Uh, Galiwade, welcome to Lax Class. I'm so happy you agreed to do this. How are you, my friend? Hey, good day. How's it going? Lagoano. Lagoano. Yes, thank it's, you. Uh, it's an honor to be on your show. Um, I know when you uh, when you first asked me uh, the other, well, a couple of days ago there, I, uh, I know I said, yeah, um, you know, but, uh, you're a hard guy to say no to, you know, uh, and, uh, I, I had some hesitancy, uh, just, uh, because, uh, I, I feel that, uh, you know, uh, this would be, uh, uh, a tough, uh, a tough position to be in. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I am honored to be on the show. Um, before anything, uh, you know what, uh, I just heard some, uh, some news, some sad news there. And, uh, yeah, I, I just want to send condolences, uh, to the community, six nations, uh, with the news today of, uh, Dean Hill's passing. Um, I, 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 you know, lacrosse is, uh, 
it's a it's a small community, but it's a big community, and uh, you know you get to know everybody that's uh, been involved in the game, mm-hmm. and uh, you know uh, this uh, his passing, you know, it reminded me of uh, of something that uh, you know I learned uh, through our traditions, and uh, that's uh, one of the things that uh, they teach um, in our teachings is that uh, you know like lacrosse players, it's a gift, you know, you've been given a gift from the creator. And when you when you use it properly and appropriately, you play with a good heart and a good mind. You're going to be honored, you know. Uh, like as soon as you pass, you know, you're going to go to the Creator's land up above, and uh, there's going to be a lacrosse game, you know, in the Creator's land, and uh, you know, um, and you're going to be you're going to be involved in that, you know. So I'm sure, you know. Uh, uh, Diener's up there, and uh, you know he's uh, he's playing in another game. So I just wanted to to send my uh, condolences, uh, you know, to his family and to uh, to the people at uh, Six Nations. Yeah, well said, Galibide. Uh, it's we were going to talk about it in the third quarter, and I just found out the news today, and I don't know the circumstances surrounding it. I'm not sure if if I do or not. It's uh, it was shocking and, and sad and a guy that uh I spent a lot of time with while he was out here in BC and of course uh a champion as a player as well. And just one of the good guys in the sport. Uh yeah. always had always had time for for a handshake and a and a chat with Dean Hill and uh man, he will he will be missed. Uh, a soul taken way way too early. That is for sure. Um man where I this answer is probably pretty predictable, but the sport of lacrosse it it must have been bestowed on you at a very early age, or even as you were born. Uh, were you, were you born with a, a wooden stick in your crib? Well, you know, I mean, uh, everybody has a has a similar story. Um, I uh, to, to be honest. Um, I wasn't uh, born with, uh, you know, I mean, uh, when I was born, my my father, he didn't put the uh, the stick in, in the credo, you know, and uh, you know, like, uh, uh, so no, uh, you know, that that wasn't the case for me. Um, but uh, you know, it doesn't mean that uh, the game, uh, you know, that I wasn't born into the game. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I still believe that I was born into the game. My father played. Uh, my uncles played. the The thing with uh, with the, you know, I I asked uh, you know some of the elders, you know, because you hear that often, you know, that uh, uh, you know it, it's something that's it's practiced, right? But um, what what I, actually what I was told is that it's not us. It's not up to us here on earth to determine who's going to be gifted to play lacrosse. That is something that's predetermined. That's that's our teachings. Is that you know, like it's predetermined when the Creator puts you on this earth. And you know, I mean, I, I think it's it's a good gesture, you know, uh, to to do to do that uh, because it is it's related to our culture. But um, I mean, when the, and, and you know what I mean. So when first did, of all, when did you pick up your first stick then? I would say it was probably when I was about maybe four or five years old. Um, my father, you know, he signed me up, uh, and we didn't have minor lacrosse in Aquisas, so I had to play in Cornwall, 
And uh, I, I remember uh, he signed me up. Uh, he took me. Uh, he took me uh, to my grandparents' uh, house, and uh, they they worked for a lacrosse factory. So they had a bunch of uh, wooden lacrosse sticks in the garage, and uh, he brought me there. And you know, he he told his parents that uh, I needed a stick, so. We went into the garage and I remember like, you know, it's, it's a long, it's 40 years ago, but I remember him, you know, grabbing a frame off the wall and these were, you know, uh, unfinished, but he took the stick in one hand, placed it down. He looked at the, you know, he looked down the handle and then he put that one back up, grabbed another one. And, you know, like he said, okay, this is the one. And what he was doing, he was checking the balance or the, uh, the back bend on the stick. And, you know, he, he kind of like held it in his hands, kind of rocked it a bit. And he said, this one's a good one, you know, and uh, he took it and uh, whittled it down for me, cut it to length, strung it up. And, uh, you know, I, I was using a wood stick. That's and, awesome. And, yeah. So, I mean, but, uh, you know, like. Uh, and now you, you can you can string up your own sticks now, right? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know that was something that uh, well, you know when he when he fixed up my stick for me when I was a kid, he took it to my grandmother and uh, you know she put the uh, the cat gut wall on and she strung it with the traditional uh, stringing you know with the leather and it was bootlace nylon but it was still the uh, the traditional netting and uh, I, I I sat and watched and uh, I think by the by the time I was like maybe nine years old I was stringing traditional sticks. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, you mentioned when you were just a boy, there was no lacrosse in, in Aguasazne, but now it's it's flourishing, I would say, with, uh, you know, the Thunder, the Medicine Men, the Muskies. Uh, when when did lacrosse kind of come to Aguasazne? Like, what year did that happen? Um, well, you know what? I, I, I would think it was uh, maybe – um, I would say around the mid '80s. Actually, no, uh, it, it was closer to the to the '90s. And, and around the 1990, uh, lacrosse uh, came back, and uh, you know we started to have uh, the uh, the and Thunder. Uh, they started around that time, and um, I mean, it was weird. Like lacrosse was so strong in this community, and it's strong now. Uh, but uh, yeah, there was a period of time there. Um, when, you know, there was no lacrosse, but I, when I say no lacrosse, I mean, there was no organized, no, bar, no, no organized, you know, but I mean, that didn't stop me. You know, I, I love the game so much that I was outside, you know, all the time playing lacrosse, uh, shooting, you know, putting holes in my, my dad's garage, you know? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I think a lot of, a lot of kids grew up doing that as we speak with Galiba Day Mitchell. Um, the Survivors Cup that just took place. I want to get your your perspective on this because this is always a question that comes up from fans and and people alike. The Aguasazni Indians who just yes. just won the Survivors Cup. Now, I I always feel a little uncomfortable saying the word Indians. Now, um, I know you feel the same. Like it, the name should be different. Do you can you can explain this a lot better than I, but. Like I would, I would feel super uncomfortable saying it. I know it's not; it's more accepted if it's said between two indigenous people. But you're, you're, you think the name should just change? Period. Yeah, I remember you asked me that, and you know, uh, I had said, uh, you know, like um, to me, I, you know, I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm opposed to the name, and 
you're going to get me in some hot water here with North Shore <laughs> and, and uh, awkward Western Indians fans. But yeah. uh, you, you know, it's it's you're you're accurate what you say. Is that uh, you know, I mean, it, it seems acceptable uh, in some some areas, and um, you know, uh, it's um, to me, it's uh, I. I I guess it's one of those things where you can look at it two ways, you know, and, and I'm sure that the people who created the name Aquasasana Indians were not doing it, uh, you know, out of disrespect, that's for sure. Sure, yeah, And of that they're more, more uh, likely to, you know, be looking back at the history of the game and back, I mean, you look at some old photos here, you go to the museum here, you're going to see pictures of uh, of the older teams, uh, and that's what they called themselves. Like there was, you know, my dad, when he played, he was younger. There was the Cornwall Island Indians, mm. you know. So, I mean, I think that's the intention behind it. Um, you know, I, I, I've been involved, like, like you mentioned, the Snake Island Muskies, uh, the Mohawk Medicine Men. I, uh, you know, I was part of uh, creating both those teams and, you know, like uh, developing a name, it can be tough, especially on a First Nations or, or Native community, because you don't want to be disrespectful, you know, but at the same time, you know, you're looking for something. I mean, it's it's a modern day. You're looking for something that, uh, you know. Honors your uh, heritage, right? Yeah, close to the heritage. Yeah. And, uh, and, and you know, the other thing you're looking for is, is something that's marketable, you know. Like uh, the the image of the native head, it's it's always uh, you know something that uh, um, people want to use. People want to use. Well, exactly. tell me tell me about this because I know you've told me the story, but I think this is these are two pretty cool stories about the Snake Island Muskies and the Mohawk Medicine Men and how you came up with not only the team names but the team logos because I think they're they're two of the best in the game. Well. Um... <laughs> We, uh, when we uh, created the Snake Island Muskies, um, you know, we we sat around for a while and we talked. You know, we said uh, we want to stay away from using. The, I, I I know it was myself, my brother Loelas, uh, and Greg Phillips. Uh, we sat around for a bit and you know we said we we, we want to abstain from using the names Indians or you know anything like that and. Um, you know, so you're sitting around and you're having these discussions, you know, like and throwing ideas around. And uh, one of the things I, I thought it was me, but uh, Loella says it was him, came up with uh, the name Muskies. Yeah. You know, and uh, the reason why we did that is because our people in this community depended on fishing for their livelihoods back a, a long time ago. And the Muskies were a good catch in the day. And we thought about it and, you know, like, I, honestly, I didn't know what a muskie looked like. I'm not a fisherman, but I, you know, used the phone or maybe, yeah. uh, maybe the internet at that time. I don't know, but I uh, looked at it and I said, well, that's an aggressive looking fish. You know, it, it looks good. And then, and then we thought about it and, you know, we said, well, we don't want to be specific to one area in the community like Cornwall Island or, or St. Regis or Sny, you know, but uh, we want to be a neutral place and, we came up with Snake Island. Snake Island is, uh, is a tiny little island right on the St. Lawrence that's probably seen by thousands of people each year because uh, international and, and, you know, like uh, the shipping lines go through there. And there's there's no building, no halls, nothing like that. So, you know, it's just it's just an own island right in the middle of the St. Lawrence. Rock, you know? and with rocks and, and snakes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, and and the Mohawk medicine man. Like when when Teddy and I were were tweeting out pictures of of the swag and the logo, 
Like people were going nuts over this stuff. Can you bring me a hat? Get me a shirt. This, yeah. This is like one of the coolest logos. If you haven't checked it out, check out Medicine Men on on Twitter. But tell me how the Mohawk Medicine Men came to be. Well, it was uh, you know uh, it was a similar thing. I mean, uh, we 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 had decided. Uh, I I don't know what year the uh, Orangeville Northmen hosted the uh, Founders Cup, but uh, the Seneca War Chiefs were there, and. Uh, it was uh, the Seneca War Chiefs were in the FNLA, and you know we started to look into this, and we said, uh, you know, the FNLA, I think, only had three teams at the time, and we said, uh, you know, there's a lot of kids in Aquasasna that don't get a chance to play. Let's let's start a junior B team, give them that opportunity, you know. And so we went into the FNLA, we put an application in, and we were accepted. And so then the the hard part is uh, coming up with the name again, you know. And uh, we weren't really sure on the name, but we knew that, uh, you know, there was the, uh, the Onondaga Redhawks and the Seneca War Chiefs and uh, I believe the Tonawanda Braves at the time. And we had said, uh, you know, like, uh, oh, it's, it's a native, native league. And, part of you know, the Six like, Nations, right? Part, part of the Haudenosaunee, yes. So we, um, we thought of some names and uh, one of the names that we thought of at the time was Shaman. But, uh, you know, I mean, like, I don't even know what language that comes from or what it, uh, you know, and we said, well, you know, it's not really going to fit, you know, uh, and uh, basically what a Shaman is, uh, you know, I mean, I remember back in fourth or fifth grade, the teacher saying, uh, you know, this is a medicine man amongst the native people. But that's when history was taught, like a general thing, like, you know, like all, all natives are the same, you know, and Shaman didn't fit. So we... We decided, you know what, uh, maybe we could be the medicine men, you know, and it it didn't seem inappropriate because, uh, you know, there are people, they're respected, they're gifted people that, you know, are medicine men. There's, in fact, medicine women, you know, but uh, mm-hmm. so we went to an artist, uh, John Thomas. He's really well known. He had already done some logos in sports for the Aquasasna Indians. Uh, he's uh, done tremendous work uh some tattoos you know, he, he as was, well right yeah yeah he was well known and uh so we went to him and i remember going to his house and uh i said you know john i said we're going to be starting a lacrosse team and he he looked he says i i like drawing those kind of logos you know and he says uh any idea what you're you know what you're looking for so well we, we're thinking we're going to call the team medicine men but we're not 100 percent sure yet and he smiled and uh, he says, I got an idea. He says, uh, you know, and he starts just just freehand with a with a pen there and kind of like a rough draft. But I was like, oh, that, that, that looks nice. And that was in like two minutes that he yeah. did this. Right. Yeah. And he says, you know, I'll come back tomorrow. So he called me and he says, uh, your logo's done. And he had you know, digital graphics and all this and that. And, uh, and when I went there, it was in color and I was like, wow, you know, and the orange and the black and the gray. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he says, you know what? I didn't know what colors you wanted, but I'm thinking orange and black because the, 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 the hocktail on the front is got some orange in it. He says, you know, like that's the color of the hocktail. He says, so maybe this will fit. And I was like, Loellis and myself were like, yeah, for sure. You know, well, where uh, before we move on here, Glude, where can people get some of this swag? If do you got anything like up for sale, or or can people get, or do they have to kind of do it like like we did and, and get it in person? Well, I do believe that there is going to be uh, I don't know what it's called. Uh, my uh, my uh, manager that uh, lives on the American side is starting up a locker store because of the amount of uh, requests made during the tournament. Yeah, but. Uh, 
I'm not sure when that's going to be set up, so it should be, uh, you know, notifications online or something like that. Okay, but, well, you get that information to me when yeah. when it becomes available, and I will get it out to the masses here on, on Lacrosse Classified. Sound good? For sure. Jamie, uh, you want to chime in here, bud? Well, um, I'm just listening away. Fascinating story. Uh, it's a pleasure to speak to you. Listen, I, I got to talk to you about Snake Island because I, I don't know. I, I didn't know this until like listening to you, but so obviously I had a relationship with Terry Sanderson, who I believe went down there and coached for you for a year down in Snake Island. And obviously shoot went down there many years, yeah. you know, Krug, <laughs> B Miller, I think did it for a few. I think Blaine Manning did it one year. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and, and all the kids running around in Snake Island shirts. I, I got to ask you this question. Cause this is one thing we always joke about with those boys. Do you know what the term Puerto Rican sandwich means? No. <laughs> so that was the thing. I mean, listen, I, I don't think there's any secret, but, you know, um, one thing me and Shoot always used to joke about was when they go, you know, I'd say to them, I'm like, what are you doing? You're playing Senior B down in for Snake Island down yeah. here. Like, you're getting in the car, you're driving eight hours and whatever. And, uh, you know, he'd always say, well, you know, it's good. We're having a lot of fun now. There's great history, whatever. We yeah. got a nice little nice little Puerto Rican sandwich for the drive home. A little <laughs> oh, milk okay. bowl that goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I say that in the most respect. Little gas money. Little no gas money. Cool. But um, that's for me, Snake Island and, and those boys. But listen, those guys, uh, you know, I've never been down there. Um, oh, you gotta I, I've go. spent a lot of I, yeah, I can't wait. I've spent a lot of times on a lot of time on Six Nations because yeah. when I bought the team, we practiced there for the first two or three years while the track was being built. So yeah. um, I'm really quite familiar with the history there, and, and it's always fascinating to me. But uh, this know, place, Jamie, and, on the banks yeah, of the St. Lawrence River, like it's just it's spectacular. Turtle Dome, I, all the rest of it. Yeah. That's uh, that's that's a trip for me coming up, and uh, you know, look forward to it. But uh, you know, I have a lot most respect for for everything and everything you guys do for the game and and your game and the creators' game, and and you know, my hat off to you. Yeah, you know, that's one thing. I mean, those guys had a great time here, and we had a great time with them here. And uh, one thing about our community, uh, when those guys were here playing, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, Shooter and and. Uh, Krug and uh, B-Mail, uh, the Merrills, when they were here. Yeah. You know, it, it doesn't matter. Even Casey Powell, believe it or Excuse me? G- Casey Powell spent the time in, in the Thunder uniform as well. Yes, yeah. Casey played with the, with the Thunder. Uh, he played for a bit. Man, there's been some great players that play. Well, you know, I mean, uh, when we when we made the jump to uh, to majors, uh, you know, we had John Tavares, Jimmy Batley, the Roses. There's been some some players here. And you know, one thing uh, I think they would all tell you is that it, it didn't matter where these players were from, and that's what I was getting to is that the crowds just came to watch. They just love good lacrosse here, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but you know, I mean. You mentioned, but there's uh, a lot of guys like those guys love to not to cut you off or whatever. But like to me, the position I sit in the lacrosse world, like I think of Colin, and Colin was in uh, Brampton, and they were winning man cups. Yeah, and all of a sudden he, you know, they were the best team there, and no one else was leaving, and all of a sudden he left and went to Six Nations, and yeah. and and yeah. 
I'm sure there was a nice little Puerto Rican sandwich there for Colin <laughs> to do that. But it wasn't about that. It was about Colin wanted to play for Six Nations. Yeah. He wanted to be a part of that experience how that works for them. And, yeah. and, and I know that he talks to me about how fond his days were there and the love and you're right. You know, they just love lacrosse and, and good lacrosse. And these are the best lacrosse players in the world that come and play, you know, for let's say snake Island or six nations. And, and, and same thing with shooting those, like, you know, they loved, they, they, they had, you know, it's, it's, it's got to be different. the love for it's it. It's different. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. And I think, you know, I think the great ones want to experience that. And, yeah. And I, because I, it's such a part of the culture of the game that they love and play. Yeah, I agree. You know what? I mean, you talk about the uh, the sandwich factor, you know, I mean, uh, <laughs> it's not a secret. Listen, they get sandwiches here too, so don't yeah. take that the wrong way. They get them no, everywhere. No. But uh, there was something that you had mentioned there, you know, like uh, you mentioned you know, the, being part of the creator's game or the medicine game. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think that uh, medicine game is a term that's way overused sometimes, you know, because there's, uh, you know, misinterpretations. Like, so for me, if someone asks me, let's go play medicine game or, or you know, if they call me, Luda, can you can you make yourself available to play medicine game tomorrow? To me, I'm not grabbing my my lacrosse bag and I'm, you know, with my helmet and gloves and, and my, my, uh, my plastic lacrosse stick, you know, I'm, I'm going into, you know, my, my bedroom, I'm grabbing my wooden lacrosse stick, uh, you know, that's made of hickory that, uh, you know, um, it, uh, it, it's, it's made for, for the medicine game. Right. And, uh, we are, you know, it, it's, it's something different. You know, I'm not going to an arena. There's burning um, tobacco. There's, there, exactly. I'm, I'm going to a person's house. I've been told, you know, what the purpose is. And, you know, I mean, the way to maybe uh, describe this to the listeners is uh, is that, you know, like, it's like we have doctors in this community. Yeah, they didn't go to school for seven years. They don't have a PhD, but uh, they know how to diagnose uh, certain ailments, whether it's physical or it could be, you know, psychological just to pick someone's mind up, you know. Uh, so, I mean, to me, uh, I think that medicine game is, is way overused. Uh, you know, like, uh, don't get me wrong, playing at the uh, Queen's Park or at the track or, or at the Memorial Center in Peterborough, the ILA, Go Arena, people come out of there with smiles on their faces, the elders, the children, and there's a good feeling, yeah. you know. Yeah. But, uh, and so it is somewhat a medicine, but the actual medicine game to me is, is something different. It's a ceremony. It's played during the day. And like you mentioned, uh, Jake, uh, it involves the tobacco burning and a meal. And, you know, there's no referee. Yeah. Uh, there's no, no goalie sticks, but you know, it, it, and, the you know, maybe you're playing a five on five. Usually it's, uh, it's old guys against the young guys. And what determines the old guys is that they have children. And sometimes, sometimes even the, uh, the game is predetermined, but don't 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 think it's like the WWE. <laughs> no, so, say, so, no. so like the the medicine person who says you know someone needs this game might say the young guys have to win this game, you know, and it's usually a best of seven goals. But uh, I tell you what, like uh, I played in one recently where it was that matter where you know the young guys are supposed to win 
Well, I told the old guys, we're not going to take it easy here. You know, even though they got to win, let's score the first three goals, and then we're going to make them work for the next four. Yeah. You know, so, and and you know, like uh, it, it's it's a real good time. Uh, you know, like it, it's fun, um, and you know, that's one of the things. Uh, you know, if you're asked to play, it is an honor to play. But uh, yeah, that's the other thing is, uh, you know, you can't bring a plastic stick to, to this no, game. You no, know, no. You're, you're going to get sent home and you're going to feel shame. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, let me ask you about about the other side, because I think like I, you can explain to me if, if this is the case. But there seems to be one kind of group or mindset that believes lacrosse is, is the medicine game and it's used for healing. But there also seems to be another history of the game, Galiwa Day, where different tribes and, and communities would settle their differences. Instead of going to war, they would play a very long, physical, bloody, sometimes deathful lacrosse game. Is that part of the Mohawk culture or not? Mm, you know what? I'm not an, I'm not a historian really. Uh, you know, uh, I, I've heard that and, uh, you know, I mean, there is mention of that in, in some of our history that, uh, it was used to to settle disputes amongst the nations. I don't know if that's uh, over exaggerated a bit. With you know that you know it was uh, on a field three miles long and played uh, for days. players yeah. and played for days. I really don't know, but you know maybe that's the case with some of the uh, the other people uh, you know south of here because there's different forms of the medicine game. Sure. You know, like the Haudenosaunee have you know our version of the game. And I know, like, down, uh, you know, the Choctaw, the Chippewa, they have a different form where they use two sticks, you know, uh, in, each, in, in each of their hands. And I think theirs, uh, I, I, you know what, don't don't quote me on this, but I think theirs was a, a different form of scoring where they had to touch the pole, with one, like a single pole with the two sticks with the ball in there yeah. to score, yeah. where ours uh, uh, had the... Uh, the, the cedar posts in the ground and uh i know like for us they would say that the, the net is as high as the sky you know but uh um yeah so uh you know i mean high the, the, sky. the ball I like the ball that. is leather i like that mm-hmm. high as the sky yeah and the ball the ball that we use is leather but i'll tell you sometimes it's hard leather you know like uh uh, I, I've jumped in, you know, I mean, we don't have a designated goalie. So, you know, like you're running up the field and then you lose possession, you're coming back. And if you're the first guy back, you're you're hopping in the net there with the, <laughs> the player's size stick. And, you know, you're, you're going to soak up some shots. And sometimes, you know, like you feel it. Well, you uh, we haven't even talked about your playing career, man. Uh, President's Cup champion, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fortunately, uh, I was on the uh, Aquasas and Thunder, and uh, the, the both times were out in British Columbia. Is that right? What years? Yeah. yeah. Well, 95, 97. Okay. One in uh, Prince George, oh. one in Langley. 97 in Langley. I don't remember that whatsoever. Uh, well, congratulations. And a little uh, cup of coffee in, in the NLL as well, right? Yeah, yeah. A cup of coffee there. Um you know what? Uh, sometimes, I mean, I mean, you know what? I didn't put enough effort into into my game. Uh, you know, I basically went off, went off. Uh, you know, uh, my ability to play and then then put no extra work in. Uh, you know, and uh, well, I you mean, put it in now, though, right? Like now, you're like you you're ready to still play. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, uh, Loelas. Uh, uh, he says. Uh, 
I can't believe this. He says, uh, you know, you're in better shape now than, than when, uh, when you played now that you're retired. But, um, you know, it was, uh, yeah, I had, I had a, a really short career there. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, I, I took an injury and, um, I, I thought, uh, you know, I mean, reality sunk in, the money wasn't that great. And, uh, you know, I took on another profession that needed more focused time, you know. Yeah. But, well, now, uh, yeah, you're a police officer now, right? Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I, I, honestly, I do have regrets, you know, and I tell, you know, the younger generation, you know what, uh, you never know, uh, you know, I mean, you've been gifted to play, you know, take advantage of it, go to school, you know, because I, I look back, I mean, I wish I would have done more. And, uh, you know, but, uh, no, well, you're uh, doing, only... listen, man, you're doing unbelievable things now, including this past survivors cup. And I know we've kept you a half an hour here, but I could literally go another half an hour with the easy, but I wanted you to mention the survivors cup because it was, as I told Jamie off the top, one of the most rewarding, if not the most rewarding broadcast experience I've ever had. And I hope I get to do it again, man. I know the logistics may be a little tricky with, with junior A seasons and things looking a little bit different, but, you know, tell me where the idea of the Survivor's Cup came from and, and what you took away from that uh, af- after that fantastic week. Well, you know, uh, that was pretty much all uh, Shooter, uh, Josh Sanderson and Bruce Codd, uh, you know, getting that thing rolling. And, uh, you know, they wanted to have it here. Um, they said, you know, we want to help you guys, uh, on the community, uh, benefit from this, uh, if you're willing to, to do this, you know, and we thought about it, uh, and it didn't take long, uh, you know, with the issue uh, at hand right now with the, with the native, uh, you know, the native people and the, uh, and the residential schools, um, that we decided really quick, you know what, it's going to be the survivor's cup. And they were 100% on board and said, okay, all proceeds of this are going to go to, you know, uh, the negative effects uh, from those uh, schools, which, you know, language loss was the biggest one, you know, and uh, uh, mental uh, illness and suicide prevention. So that, you know, and and that went from there. And, you you know, you speak of of you enjoying it. Uh, Jake, I got to let you know, I mean, I'm still hearing out there in the community every day, just talking to people, bumping into people at the uh, the local gas stations, restaurants, how great of a job that you did. And, uh, you know, uh, I mean, you being able to... Uh, so after the tournament was done, um, I think I was still at the arena, and my, uh, my, my mother called me, and she said, uh, boy, uh, she says, uh, you know... Uh, those guys, if they're still there, tell them that they did a excellent job. You know, the ones that were uh, doing the the uh, announcing on the on the play by play. She says, uh, you know, because she didn't go to the arena; it was too hot. But she she sat at home and she says, you tell those guys that they did a you know a, a great job. And she says, I was so impressed when uh, when one of them started off and he said, "Segos aguego," you know, which means greetings to everybody. And then when when you even went further and you were able to say, let's play Dewa Alado, you know, like she was, she said she was amazed by that. And, you know, because everybody pays attention to, uh, to the uh, NCAA, you know, and, and, and different lacrosse, they have the Dewa Alado award, but they never say Dewa Alado. And you were able to come here and, and, and take the time and, and to make that effort and you did it. And that just shows, you know, 
how much respect you have for the game, for the people, the originators of the game. And, uh, you know, it's, it's so much appreciated. And, you know, like I got other calls from, from other leadership throughout the Haudenosaunee uh, that said the same thing, you know, like it was, it was great to, to hear that. And, you know, if, uh, if the people at the, uh, you know, at the NCAA, you know, could take a page out of, out of a book, that would be the one there where, you know, maybe take some time instead of calling it the Tawaraton mm. Award, maybe they could say, you know, the Dewa'aladu Award. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to, to mention that to you, that that was, uh, that uh, was uh, excellent. Listen, <laughs> thank your mother for me. Thank uh, everybody that that got your way, man, that, uh, that, that meant a whole lot to me uh, to hear that. And like I said, uh, that one tops the list as far as my career goes. So fantastic job with the Survivors Cup, man. I I consider you a friend for life, and I'm so glad that that you agreed to come on the podcast. I thought that was fantastic stuff. And uh, say hi to to Joey Hall for me and uh, and Luelas and and the whole gang there on the res, man. I, I hope I get to for come sure. back one day. Well, like I said, I appreciate being on, and uh, yeah, I you know. I, I was really nervous to, to come on here. I hope I did you some, uh, you, you know. You did great. Uh, you did great, Billy uh, Day. You did great. All right, man. It. Well, uh, thank you so much. Uh, it was good to go across the nation there. Jamie, any any final words? Well, no, I just want to say thanks for coming on. I, I enjoyed that little history lesson myself, and I look forward to coming down there and, and meeting you in person. And, uh, you know, I'm like Jumbo. I could sit down and chat about this for hours. So, uh Thank, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Look forward to meeting you. Hey, thank you. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, and uh, I look forward to uh, someday, uh, you know, sitting down getting to meet you. Uh, I heard good things about you, and uh, and good luck in the upcoming season. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. All right, there you go. Galiwade Mitchell, Agwasazni, Medicine Men, Snake Island Muskies, all the rest of it, and just uh, a fantastic human being. We got to take a quick break here on Lax Class. We still got a half a program to go. Quick Sticks are coming up next in quarter number three. Stick around. This is Lacrosse Classified on Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Hey, this is Dan Richardson, GM of the Vancouver Warriors. You're listening to Lax Class, your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Welcome back to Lax Class. Jake Elliott, Jamie Dowick with you. Into the second half of the program we go. And I did it again, Jamie, so I'm going to do it again here in quarter number three. And thank our friends at Stampede Tack and Western Wear. Summer, like, I thought summer was over, but it's clearly not here in British Columbia. So still time to get out there and enjoy the fun. Make sure you got the right hat to keep you protected from those harmful UV rays. Just to look good as well. I, I'm not a big cowboy hat, but they got more than just cowboy hats at Stampede Tack and Western Wear. Every kind of hat you could think of, just like boots. Stampede.ca, where shopping online is still shopping local. Or... Nice sunny day. Head on out there to Cloverdale, the corner of Highway 10 and 180th, and stop into the big compound there in Cloverdale. Stampede.ca, lacrosse the nation. Now we move on to quick sticks here, Jamie, in quarter number three, as we always do. And I got several, I would say. Warriors lost a bunch of players over the last week. As Steve Ewan put out a tweet 
530 man games. If you put Chris O'Doherty, who retired a while ago, the trade from Matt Beers to Saskatchewan, or excuse me, the departure of Matt Beers to Saskatchewan. But then James Ray, Ian Hawksby, and one Joel McCready, former, I think, two two stallions uh, there, Jamie, in, in that little retirement package, all retiring from the v- Vancouver Warriors on the same day. 530 man games is that the back end there in Vancouver is going to be looking a little different this season. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, those guys have all had long careers and, um, you know, I think it's just more of a sign of a new era in Vancouver. So tough to replace veteran guys, but, you know, the hope for them would be that, you know, some youthful energy and talent comes in there and, and gives them some renewed energy with the, within the franchise. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens, but that's a lot of leadership that will be gone there. No doubt about it. Uh, speaking of having to replace uh, veteran leadership and, and talent, Saskatchewan Rush will be trying to do that. Is uh, Maybe the one of the biggest free agent signings going down last week, Jamie, is make them work. Uh, Evan Kirk is off to Rochester, which kind of caught me. By surprise a little bit, with everybody kind of re-signing there in Sask, I know Evan's uh, you know, in the process of becoming a police officer in Ontario. He's got a you know, new family and all the rest of it. But I would have thought maybe one more year in, in Rush Nation trying to bring home a title. But off to Rochester, Evan Kirk goes. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I think he, he said new career with a police officer. I don't know how that affect the traveling and – um, yeah, I mean, a pretty big, uh, leaves a question mark. I know, I know Derek believes in the goaltenders he has, uh, there on his roster. Um, I think shoots ready. Like I, he came yeah. in, Evan went down with an injury for four or five weeks there and, and shooter came in and like, did not look like he was overwhelmed by the, the insertion as being a starter one bit. Yeah, no. So, Pretty good I defense mean, in know, front of him too. I well, might. that 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 definitely <laughs> yeah. helps, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. But um, you know, I think uh, I, I I think well, time will tell. But yeah, that's a big signing for Rochester. Pair him up with uh, young Ryland Hartley, who's you know I think their future and uh, Dan Coates signed there as well. Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah. they they yeah. did well in free agency. Did the Nighthawks and Dan Carey. More of these, please. I don't know if you saw this, Jamie. The Halifax Thunderbirds tweeting out draft. Re- I This is something that obviously you wouldn't get without it being a virtual draft, but I love the draft reaction videos with the kids sitting around with all his buddies, whether it's at a frat house or his parents' place, and everybody's kind of waiting for the name to be called. And then when it is, they just go absolutely berserk, and it's all caught on camera. These are fantastic. Yeah, they are pretty cool, and uh, you know, with the, obviously the the times, um, you know, it's a different situation where we all can't be together to share that moment together. So you know, seeing the Donville one where there was people in different locations and whatever, it it is pretty neat to see the genuine reaction and teammates selling celebrating stuff. And uh, no, it's great. I wanted to try and find this, uh, but I'm not doing a very good job of it. But uh, I don't even know if I should mention his name. I'm going to do it anyways. Casey Zaff messaged me the other day, and I don't even know how the conversation came up, but I just found this really kind of crazy, and I wanted to mention this. But he mentioned that back when he had a cup of coffee with the Rochester Nighthawks, 
owner, Kurt Styers, had every player fill out a questionnaire of people that were important to them. And he didn't know this at the time, but each of those initials of each person were stitched into the jersey, so it was barely visible unless you like looked at it super closely. Did you know that Kurt did this? I don't know if he still does it, but that that's no, a pretty crazy jersey design. That is pretty cool. I did not know that. Yeah. So that just like I don't I, I like I said, I can't remember why that came up, but I was like, oh, that I think I'm going to mention that. So I did. The final quick stick that I want to mention, we talked about this off the top is the NLL All-Star game. This one going down in 2005 and I was just looking at like the rosters of both these teams back in 2005 and the amount of star-studded legends and talent that was on display that night in 05 in that All-Star game was absolutely ridiculous. Played in front of 11,500 fans in Calgary, Johnny T, Johnny who? Johnny T scores the game-winning goal in overtime. And I think it was Eddie Camo who who tweeted out, like, they had a, a game that, like you said, a game the night before had to get into Calgary for an afternoon game, flew like this twin proper into – they had to stop for fuel and Winnipeg, all the rest of it. They got into to Calgary at, like, 9 o'clock in the morning for an afternoon game to play this All-Star game, which was just spectacular, though. Like they, you know, like I said, uh, you know, I enjoyed my time at Turning Stone. We had fun there watching it with a group of guys. And, and, you know, you get the best players all together in the same room. So, um, you know, the concept is, is, is neat. Um, challenge to make it work. But you never know. All right. Fingers. I'm just going to hold my breath until the All-Star game comes back. No, I'm not. We're going to quarter four. Quick sticks are done. Stampede Stallion is next. Episode 148 back after this. Associated Labels and Packaging, a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Hey, this is Matt Sawyer, the head coach of the Toronto Rock. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified, growing the game one podcast at a time. All right, we're back. We're into the fourth and final quarter. No more breaks here on the podcast. Thanks for hanging with us. Uh, Before we saddle up here and head for the stables, i got to ask you to do a few things here, people. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to your podcast right now. Just hit that subscribe button if you haven't done it already. Then it gets just delivered straight to your phone. You don't have to worry about it. Uh, while you're listening, you got lots of time to do it. Just bang out a little review there. That helps us, and that helps you as well. And uh, follow us along. You can email me at lacrosseclassified at gmail.com. You can follow on Instagram at lacrosseclassified, Twitter at laxclass. You can Facebook us. we got a Facebook page as well. Jamie Dowick is at jdowick on Twitter. I am at PXP, the number four sports. PXP for sports is where you can find me. So do all that. And while you're doing that, Jamie, hop up on, on Trigger or wherever you named your horse here. We're, we're heading for the Stampede Stables. All right, the barn door has swung closed. We're in... 
We're inside the Stampede Stables here. My selection this week, Jamie, I told you, I, you, I didn't even tell you who I was picking this week. Uh, so this will be a bit of a surprise. So you're going to have to think on your feet here a little bit. But this week, I have got, maybe you can guess. Maybe you can guess if I tell you this. He was a two-time NCAA champion with Syracuse Orange. He was a 2007 Minto Cup champion with the Six Nations Arrows. He was a 2013 Man Cup champion with the Six Nations Chiefs and also a three-time champion with the Rochester Nighthawks. Can you tell me who this week's Stampede Stallion is? Oh, uh, it's right before Keogh and Jameson. Who would it have been? I believe he wore the oh. captaincy for Six Nations, Chiefs, Arrows, and Nighthawks. Why am I drawing a blank here? Defense. Sid Smith. There you Sid go. Smith. There you go. You got it. Sid. Yeah, there you go. There's a great. There's a great pick. And like I said. 88 games in the National Lacrosse League. Usually we like guys to kind of hit that 100 plateau. But when you're talking about Sid Smith here, like, man, did he ever make the most out of his short career in the National Lacrosse League? And the guy just won. Like, he was a winner. Yeah, he was a winner everywhere. Lots of injuries, right? Yeah. Well, Uh, career cut way too short. Um, Yeah, he was... was you know, not no no stats really, goals, assists, whatever. But he was the guy, you know, from the day he came in this league, that he was just really tough to play against. Nasty, nasty guy yeah, to play against. Nobody nasty. liked going up against Sid Smith on defense. Like that was a matchup you tried to stay away from. No, I hear you. He was just uh, he was just a tough tough defender, and you know, yeah, you didn't want to get near him. That's for sure. I'm trying to like relate him to. To a horror. Like, I wouldn't put him in a Clydesdale because he, you know, he could get up and down, but he, like, it was just an absolute horse. Like, he was a horse. Like, what you yeah. Like, like, yeah. I mean, stuff. you know, just a guy, guy you didn't want to have to go against every, you know, uh, and he was just, you know, you weren't going to have, it wasn't going to take any shifts off when you played against him. He was going to be physical and he was going to put a beating on you and, you know, you just had to deal with it, but he was a good one. Well, where did sure. he go in the draft? Well, I remember, like, he went uh, number seven. one. Was it number yeah, two? Yeah, number one. Yeah, to, to, to Rod, like, and everybody's kind of like, I can't remember who the, the projected number one guy was in that draft, but everybody's like, holy crap. Like, they just took – it's turned out okay for for the former captain, three-time champion. I think Kurt made the right selection there. So, Sid Smith. Welcome to the stable, my man. You were this week's Stampede Stallion of the Week. And, of course, the Stampede Stallion brought to you by Stampede Tack and Western Wear. Jamie, I don't know if you ordered up your Blendstones yet or not. I'm telling you, if you have not done this, just do What do you got to lose? Take my advice on this. Buy yourself a pair of Blendstones and then thank me later. I'm telling you, the more you wear yeah, these well, things. I, on, I, did, I, haven't, I haven't ordered any yet. But I did go on the website and check them out, and and uh, you know a purchase is not not so far off. I don't think. Okay, yet. I'm just saying, like the more you wear these things, the more comfortable they get, the better they look, and the more in love you're gonna fall with them. But if you're not 
like if you're some kind of weirdo and you're not into Blundstones, they got red backs, they got work boots, motorcycle boots, cowboy boots. All the boots are there at Stampede Tack and Western Wear. Stampede.ca. You can still shop online because it's still shopping local. We appreciate Stampede Tack and Western Wear. We appreciate associated labels and packaging as well. I think I forgot to mention that. I don't know what's going on this week, J-Man. Just a little out of sorts. I'm not going to lie to you. Associate labels and packaging, of course, are good friends. Best in the business when it comes to labels and packaging. Associated LP is where you can find those guys. To the NOL, who are on board with Lax Glass for the next few months here. Thanks for them for hopping on with us. Make sure you check out NOLshop.com. And more news to come in regards to the NLL as we move along closer to December 3rd and 4th as well. And of course, and last but not least, the Vancouver Warriors for their continued support and more news coming out of Warriors land in the coming weeks as well. They're starting to hire a bunch of people and I know tickets and I've been saying it for weeks, but trust me, it's all coming. And in the meantime, check them out, Twitter, Instagram at NLL. Warriors, a big thanks to Galiwa Day Mitchell for stopping on the program, going across the nation with us. Jamie, to you for sitting in the co-host chair another week. Uh, I hope you want to do this again a week from now. And like I said, surgery coming up here, so no promises on, on episode 150 coming up. <laughs> Hopefully I can sit and record for uh, for the better part of a couple hours here a week from next. So we'll talk about that coming up. But... I'm rambling on, so let's get out of here. For Jamie Dowick, I've been Jake Kelly, and for the fastest game on two feet. And for the creator, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay classified.